We are currently in a sermon series entitled, By the Book. Uh, Here's kind of the basic gist of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. When you say you want to do something by the book, you are saying you want to do it the right way. In fact, you're saying you want to do it God's way. That saying comes off of this book, God's book. You want to do things His way. And so over the course of the next couple of weeks and even the last couple of weeks, we've been tackling and taking a closer look at the issues of money, sex, and power. And we've been um, maybe discovering anew or for the first time in a long time what, what God has to say about those things and how you can do those things and enjoy those things by the book, how you can do those things his way, the right way. In the last few weeks, uh, we've had some fun. We've been talking a lot about sex, in particular what God wants us to know about sex, as well as what uh, pornography or the Playboy Uh, industry as a whole wants us to think about sex. This morning, we're kind of wrapping up this little first part of the series by talking about what your spouse hopes you'll finally figure out when it comes to sex. I'm anxious to see the looks and the sneers and the jabs uh, as we go through this material. Uh, Before we dive into all that, though, I want to say just a few things. Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about stuff you typically don't discuss or hear talked about in this setting, in a church Setting, We've been using words, phrases, and making references to things that maybe sound odd in this space. They even sound borderline uh, inappropriate in this space. I imagine some of this material, some of the things that I've said over the last few weeks, they've made you a bit uncomfortable or maybe upset you in one way or another. And for that, I do, I do apologize. But here's why I'm talking about all of this, and here's why I'm handling it the way that I am. The goal of the series is not to shock you or to get a rouse out of you. I'm not doing this to push the envelope or to be hip and cool and relevant. I mean, look at me. I'm a balding, middle-aged white guy. That that ship sailed long ago. I'm doing this because I want to help you. I'm doing this because I want to equip you and empower you. Everybody in this world is talking about sex except for two groups of people, pastors and parents. And those are the two groups who should be talking about it the most because they're the ones who should care the most about it. And I don't want you to base your understanding of sex and sexuality and sexual fulfillment on what Hollywood says or on what Teen Magazine says or what Jeff Coe's growing and changing material has to say. I want you to base all of this on what God says. You with me, church? And I will unapologetically always point you to that. And we as a church are going to talk about this stuff a lot more moving forward because it's important, and it's where we are. It's where we live. God makes a big deal out of these issues, and and so should we. And so if this this series has given you a reason or an excuse or an opportunity or some words to use to have a conversation with your own family or to contextualize it in your own uh, situation, even if you completely disagree with everything I've said, if you've talked about this stuff just a little bit more because of this, smashing success in my opinion. Smashing success. Let's talk about this morning. We're going to be looking at sex and intimacy and marriage and what it means to serve and to submit to our spouse in this area. But but again, here's the thing. What's been true of the last few weeks is true today. Not everything I'm going to say is going to be true for every person in this room. Not all of you will agree or be on board with this stuff. That's okay with me. We have different preferences, different pasts, different sex drives, different needs. So I'm going to say some things that are true for some, but not necessarily true for all. There's generalities, there's stereotypes, but you have to. Added at the fact that I'm no expert on this stuff, that I'm a flawed individual sharing flawed information with you, you're more or less going to get what you pay for today, all right? I guess if you put a lot of money in the bin, I'm sorry, go ahead and take it back when you leave, all right? 
Here's the thing, though, guys. God spoke wisdom through a donkey in the Old Testament. So I'm pretty sure there's some hope for me and this issue and you today. You with me? There should be some truth coming out. Let's hope that that's true. Let me pray and ask God just to be sure. God, we give this space to you. Would you bless us and teach us? And as Kim said, speak to us now. You know what's right. You know what's best. You know what's so good. And so we just pray that we will we'll know that too after our time together. Make it so. In Jesus' name, amen. Came across something recently. made me laugh out loud. Also made me stop and think. It's called The Seven Stages of the Married Cold. A husband's reactions to his wife's colds during the first seven years of marriage. First year, sugar dumpling, I'm really worried about you. You've got a bad sniffle. I don't want, you to, I don't want it to get any worse. Why don't you go straight to bed, honey? I'll, I'll buy some of your favorite soup, make you a cup of hot tea. I'll run by the store right now so I can pick up some cold medicine. And you know what? We need a humidifier. I'm going to overnight a humidifier just for you. Your health is my utmost priority. I love you, sweetheart. Year two. Darling, I don't like the sound of that cough. I've made an appointment for you at the doctor's office. Maybe you better go lie down a little bit. Can I get you anything? Give me a kiss. You look so cute when you're sick. Year three. Oh, honey, you sound horrible. I think there's some vitamin C or some canned soup in the pantry. I'm off to work. Let me know if you need anything. Year four. Oh, no, you sound sick. Uh, you're cool with sleeping on the couch, right? And we just don't want this thing spreading through the whole family. And I'm talking about the couch in the basement because the game's on tonight and the boys are coming over. Year five. Oh, great. You aren't sick, are you? We have so much going on right now. I can't possibly afford to miss any more time at work. You think you got it from the kids? You think it's bad? You think it's contagious? Year six. Will you stop barking like a seal? I need some sleep and your hacking is making it nearly impossible. I think I saw some old cough drops in the couch kitchen downstairs. Would you please go take one? Year seven. For heaven's sake, woman, stop sneezing. You trying to kill me or give me pneumonia? You've been sick our whole marriage. Now, that might be a little extreme, but it does get at the heart of our lesson this morning. A marriage must be nourished and cherished if it is to last. Over time, and if left unattended to, a marriage, and especially the intimacy in a marriage, will grow dim and dark, if not completely die out. Blame it on familiarity or the demands of our families. Blame it on routines or the fact that we're running from work to practice to rehearsals, back to work, and then back to practice. But if we aren't careful, if we aren't intentional about it, the intimacy we share with our spouse can turn into a thing of the past. More than that, over time, what happens in the bedroom and the bedroom itself can turn more into a battleground than a playground. And that's not God's hope for you. That's not God's desire for you in the least. Proverbs 5 is our main text this morning. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated by her love. See, this passage speaks to the fact that God and God alone, primarily God, wants our passions and our love and our sexual fulfillment in marriage to increase over time, not to decrease. He wants it to flourish over the years, not fade away. He says he wants your intimacy and your marriage to be ever intoxicating. 
Guys, that's not going to happen without some serious effort on our part. Because here we go. Newsflash, marriage is hard. Hard work. Being married to another person, especially for the long haul, it's one of the most difficult and demanding things you will ever do. We are talking about the process of taking two individual people who have been made drastically different from one another. Right? God said distinctly male, distinctly female, two people making them one. And there's a reason the phrase is members of the opposite sex. Because in so many ways, we are polar opposite from each other. Think about this. Think about how men and women use the TV remote. Think about the length of time it takes a man versus a woman to get ready for bed. I'm asleep before Becca even brushed her teeth. Think about how men and women determine if clothes are dirty. Women by sight, men by... (laughs) (laughs) Women usually don't stop for animals in the road. Or uh, women usually do stop for animals in the road. Men? No, 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 we don't do that. Men don't usually wear other men's clothing. But ladies, you kind of make like a business out of that. And you will never see a woman clean her ear with her car key. But it's a great tool to use. Anyway, you think making these two people one? I think that's easy. It's just going to happen overnight. There's going to be one nine in your honeymoon and suddenly the two become one. No, it's something that only God can do. And God does it over the long haul. It's a process. It's a journey that he takes you on. And a big part of that journey is sex. How you use it, how you utilize it, what you do with it. Making two people one, a man and a woman, is not easy at all. They're so different. That's why I love what comedian Brad Stein recently said about sexuality in our culture. Men marrying other men, wimps. Come on, that's funny. <laughs> Making a woman happy is difficult. Becoming one with a man, that's tough. Again, it sounds simple. It happens like just two puzzle pieces coming together naturally and overnight. No, it doesn't happen that way. It's a hard process. And how you handle sex, what you do with sex, is a big part of that process. One author put it this way. Spiritual and physical and emotional oneness is a great long journey that we get to walk with our spouse And how you handle the gift of sex will determine how well you enjoy the journey, how much you enjoy the journey. He goes on to say this, sex and marriage is God's motivation for all the aggravation. But if we aren't careful, it will lead to great frustration and possibly even exasperation. Now normally when we talk about sex in church, if we do, which we're going to do now at West Bowles, when we talk about it, it's pretty much along these lines, right? God wants sex to be experienced in the confines of marriage. There you go, happy sermon, go have lunch and enjoy the game. Like, this is the entirety of the sermon normally, is it not? Sex plus marriage equals a happy God. Like, when God sees sex done in marriage, it's like a little happy face emoji from the heavens. It's like, okay, well, we, we got that. But, but now what? Like, check. My, uh, marriage and sex, got it. What, what, like, what do, we, what do we do now? Right? That's kind of where I've been. It's like, okay, we know where and when God wants us to open the gift, but how? How do you enjoy it? How do you make the most of it? Or as the scripture says, how do you fan into flame the great gift that God has given to you? That's what I want to talk about briefly with you this morning. I want to bring to your attention some of the things that married folk need to keep in mind to ensure that the intimacy they share with their spouse increases over time instead of decreases how you can honor God and honor the marriage bed year after year after year. You with me? 
Again, if you're with your parents this morning, and my mom is here today, so it's awkward for all of us, okay? Just, just deal with that. Let's start by talking to the men about the ladies. Guys, what do our wives wish that we would figure out in terms of cultivating their hearts and satisfying them sexually? Well, a great movie came out several years ago entitled What Women Want. Remember that? The basic gist was a pig-headed, womanizing jerk named Nick, Nick Marshall, who was played by Mel Gibson. He gets electrocuted in the bathtub one afternoon, and suddenly he can hear what the women around him are thinking. There are some hilarious scenes in this movie. But at first, he panics. You can imagine as a guy, you're a little overwhelmed by all of this. So he's sitting with his counselor, and the counselor says, you are the luckiest man alive. You are the first man in human history to actually know what a woman wants. It's a miracle. Hallelujah. Well, it seems far-fetched, but it is possible, guys. It's possible to know what a woman wants, especially in terms of deepening and developing intimacy in marriage. Again, this is not going to be true for every lady in here, every marriage, but there's a lot of research that says a lot of stuff about this. Let me share with you just a little bit of it. In my understanding of it, it boils down to two words. Guys, you've got to keep these two words in mind. Romance me. Our wives want us to romance them. Intimacy, passion, sexual fulfillment are intricately connected to romance. Well, that sounds simple enough. Romance me. Well, the problem here is that uh, that word romance looks and sounds real similar to this word. Otorhinolaryngology. See, guys see romance and they kind of see those, that word in like the same category. Like, we respond like this to both words. Huh? Like, romance? What? When? Where? So let's see if we can't break this romance thing down a little bit, guys. When it comes to romancing a woman, man, we've got to keep a couple things in mind. I think a wife would want to ask her husband to do the following things. Number one, talk to me. Talk to me. See, for most ladies, communication is the key. Women want to talk to and converse with their husbands and for them to take a genuine interest in their lives. Now, right now, all the guys are thinking, wait, wait, you said we were talking about sex and marriage. What the heck does this have to do with physical intimacy? Well, your wife would say this has everything to do with physical intimacy. For most women, the verbal part of the relationship is just as important, if not more so, than the physical part. Uh, physical part. See, for your wife, sex and intimacy begin long before you climb into bed. If you want an exciting hour in the bedroom, then you need to focus on what you are saying to her the other 23 hours of the day. Man, your wife needs you to talk to her, to talk with her. She wants you to be a sounding board for different things. She wants you to be a confidant, a strong conversational partner. Let's just make sure we're all on the same page here as well. This is what she wants to talk about. How wonderful she looks, her interests, her struggles, her accomplishments, her day, her ideas, and the appreciation you have for her. See a trend there? Now, I'm not saying, ladies, that you're selfish or self-centered, that you only want to talk about yourselves. I'm simply saying you want men to take an interest in you. And we need to do that. I don't think a woman typically wants to talk about chores and expenses and taxes and politics and your accomplishments and your day and how smart you are. I remember we were newly married and Becca was sharing with me a struggle that she was having at work. She was a second grade teacher back in Albuquerque. We're two or three years into it. You know, being the genius that I am, I started spouting off all kinds of great ideas and solutions. She turned to me and said, yeah, so when we're talking together, 
I actually don't want you to talk. I just want you to listen. So guys, no advice, no problem solving, no checklist, no game plans. Guys, active listening. That shows that you deeply care about what she's saying and what she's going through. And then when we get a chance to talk, which will eventually happen, uh, guys, we need to take it. Man, we can be so short with our wives. I'm not just talking about Ryan, either. <laughs> but guys, especially after a long day at work, I mean, think about this. Studies have shown that, that women, on average, have or use about 25,000 words a day. Males, on the other hand, have or use 10,000 words a day. So, man, you're tapping out. You're thinking game's over. She ain't even to halftime. She's just getting warmed up. So, guys, you've got to work hard to, to talk to your wife when you get home. You've got to work hard on sharing important things. Have meaningful conversations. Short, curt, one-word answers will never be sufficient in a marriage. In fact, studies have shown that when you start to be short with your spouse, the marriage is in deep, deep trouble. Why? Because they need to talk. We need to have meaningful, rich conversation. Another thing I think a wife would suggest to us or say to a husband is this, be affectionate with me. Think back to when you were dating holding hands, sitting close, having your arm around your girl in the truck. Right? That was such a huge deal. It still is. It still is. Over time, though, especially in marriage, those little acts of affection, those get lost, don't they? The massages, the tickling, the hand-holding, the head-scratching, the neck-kissing, gone. I mean, in most marriages, there's only physical touch or affection when the husband or wife wants to have sex. Outside of that context, there's nothing. Well, guys, your, your woman, your wife wants you to be physically affectionate with her just because, not just because you want to have sex. Those little acts, those little touches, those little expressions of love, they go a long way. So guys, don't overlook the, the kisses goodbye, the holding of hands when you're taking a walk, the rubbing of the back when you're watching a movie. And don't do those things simply for the big payoff or to have sex at the end. Do them because your wife wants you to do them. Do them because your wife longs for you to do them. Do them because it's a way that you honor her. This is especially true for older couples, believe it or not, but sex is not the end-all, be-all in marriage. I got a few amens in the first service after I said that. But you see, over time, sex kind of loses the importance in marriage. It's still a big part of it, to be sure. But according to a recent survey of couples who've been married at least 25 years, sex ranked ninth on a list of what made their marriage great. And at ninth, it just barely beat out number 10, the sharing of household chores. <laughs> but one guy came to me today, an older guy, and he's like, but it was still top 10. This is where the conversation and affection piece, though, really comes into play. Because being intimate, being sexual, can take on so many different approaches. It can look so different, no matter what age you are, however long you've been married. It doesn't just mean having sex. It can mean a lot of other things, too. At least it's something else I think a wife would say to her husband. Serve me. This might sound crazy, guys, but I think it's pretty powerful. Your servitude makes you a lot sexier. A close friend recently told me that when her husband goes out of his way to help her and to serve her, she wants to go out of her way to be with him physically. One night, he cleaned up the entire kitchen and did all the dishes. 
my friend said she wanted to jump his bones right there in the kitchen. <laughs> Ladies, you're welcome. You probably won't be doing dishes for the next few weeks, right? <laughs> but see, there's something incredibly intimate about serving another person. It shows your wife that when you serve her, she is more important, or the demands that are placed in and around her life are more important to you than anything else in that moment. Her and, her and her needs are more important than the game or the yard or the checking of your fantasy scores or the taking of a nap. Servitude communicates intimacy and desire and devotion in a way that nothing else does. That's why the Apostle Paul, whenever he's talking about marriage, he always compares the relationship between a husband and a wife to what other relationship? Christ and the church. That relationship is based solely on servitude. And he wants our marriages to be modeled on the same exact thing. So one of the ways that we romance our wives, gentlemen, is to serve them. Now, I don't want you to do this with ulterior motives. I don't want you to show off or make a lot of noise in your service. Hey, honey, I'm just up here cleaning the kids without you asking. Get back in there, right? Dabby already had a bath. I don't care. Get back in there. You, you don't do it for those reasons. You do it simply because it's the right thing to do. You do it because you want to live by the book. And finally, I think our wives would ask us to do this. Actually, it would just be this, ask me. Ask me. Guys, you have been given this really unique opportunity to become an expert on your wife, especially in terms of how she feels loved and, and how she's satisfied sexually. And you don't have to guess or speculate as to what she likes or what she prefers. Just ask her. Like I said before, there are so many different ways to experience and to enjoy intimacy and sexuality. The only way to know for sure what she wants, what she likes, is to ask her. Ask her if she wants you to start doing certain things or stop doing other things. Ask her if she feels loved. Ask her if she likes the way you treat her or touch her body. Ask her. See, studies have shown that sex in marriage is better when two things are present. When these two other things increase, so does pleasure in sex. One, conversation about it, and two, laughter during it. Why? Because there's freedom. Why? Because there's mutual submission. Why? Because you're having fun and you're caring and you're serving each other in that moment. Okay, ladies, I'm sure I totally missed the mark there, but do you agree, just humor me for a second, that those four things would be helpful in developing the intimacy in your marriage? Ladies, say amen if that's true. Three marriages tonight are going to be like awesome. <laughs> The rest of you, I guess I give some conversation to have at lunch because I, I don't know what I'm talking about here. All right, let's talk now, not, not uh, for the ladies. Let's talk to the ladies. Let's talk on behalf of the guys. What do men and husbands wish their wife would figure out in terms of sexual intimacy? Well, it's not super complicated, but it isn't exactly what you might think. All right, let me, let me share this with you. There are three words that I, I want you ladies to remember. Number one, Creativity. Your husband doesn't want the intimacy in your marriage to become routine or stale or mundane. He likes for things to be shaken up a little bit. So adding some spice and some passion to your love life, that is okay to do. So ladies, light some candles. Put on some music or put on something a little bit more comfortable. Plan a special weekend away. Catch him off guard. Make him late to work. Invite him to lunch one day and then have lunch at the house. It's important that your husband believe that being with you physically is not a chore or a duty. He wants it to be a thrill for you. So keep the fun and the creativity alive. Shake things up every now and again. When you surprise your husband sexually, you are serving him in a way that few other things do. And ladies, you can do this. 
I know you can do this. I watch how much time and attention and creativity you put into your homes and your hobbies and your girls' getaways. You're super creative. Just put a little bit in your marriage, all right? Word number two, ladies, frequency. This is not an earth-shattering revelation here. I understand that. But frequency matters to a man. In other words, your husband wants sex to be on the menu on a regular basis and not just a special you offer every now and again. There's the, the story of a man. He became deathly ill. The doctor asked to speak to the wife in private. He broke the news to her that her husband was most likely going to die within a week or two. Then he told her, though, that if she'd be super intimate with him, if she would make love to him as often as she could, there was a chance he could live for another year or two. The wife left the meeting and met her husband in the lobby. What did he say? The husband asked. To which she replied, you're a dead man. See, this frequency thing, it confuses you gals. Let me give you an example. Let's say you and your husband had a nice, long, leisurely session of, of lovemaking the night before, okay? Let's just, let's just kind of set the, the stage right there. The next morning, your husband's watching you stretch, and you, you, like, put a book on a bookcase. Well, it's Saturday morning, ladies. You're just working around the house. You don't have a bra on, but as you stretch, your chest grabs his attention. Now, you're probably thinking as a woman... We had sex last night. I haven't showered yet. I'm wearing grubby clothes. The seduction factor has to be negative on the 1 to 10 scale. Yet you notice that within seconds, he's giving you that look. You think, what's wrong with you? We just did it last night. Well, nothing's wrong with your man. He's just being a man. A quick glance, even if you were together the night before, can get him going. See, one author said it this way. Men are like microwaves. Women are like crockpots. One touch for a man, and he's going. So, ladies, your man would like to have sex, and probably more than you think. And that's okay. If it's hot and steamy, great. If it's an act of reconnection after an argument, great. If it's simply to release some energy, blow off some steam, great. But guys will typically be up for it more often than you think. And again, it's not just guys being guys. It's guys being guys the way God made them to be. Look at 1 Corinthians 7 with me. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to the wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and then come together again sexually so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And there is so much going on in this passage, but, but at the baseline, the base level, it's saying that, that being together on a regular basis without too much time in between your spousal soirees, that's an important thing. Large gaps, large seasons of lack of intimacy are dangerous. God made you to be together on a regular basis. And he says, don't deprive each other of that for long periods of time unless you've agreed to it and you're praying about it and all that stuff. Otherwise, be together. Be together. Now, again, the definition of frequency is going to vary from man to man, from wife to wife. So just talk about it. Make sure you're on the same page. How much is enough? How much is not? Are you okay with how it's going? Just have the conversation. It's a super important one to have. Along those lines, the last word, ladies, that I want you to cling to is initiation. Most men, especially Christian men, find it incredibly helpful and attractive when the wife initiates sex. Now, there are a lot of reasons for this, but most godly men, they don't want you, their wife, to think that they are some dirty-minded, sex-driven fool. 
And so to honor you, they might actually shy away from pursuing you sexually because they don't want you to think that you're always and forever thinking about this. And so I've seen it happen all the time where guys kind of shirk away from that because they don't, they don't want you to think that's all that they want. And so ladies, your initiation is an incredible blessing in that moment. When you, through a look or a touch or an outfit, when you communicate that you want to be with him, when you break down that barrier and, and start that process, you are freeing him and blessing him in a way that nothing else can. When he knows that he's not putting you off or asking too much of you, you will enjoy each other so much more in that act. Now, I know, girls, you want to be pursued. I get that, ladies. But if on occasion you can be the one to start the engine, oh, I think you're going to go to some pretty cool places together. And there's so much more that we could talk about here. I mean, with the guys, men love anticipation. They need respect. They're looking for a cheerleader, a recreational partner. We haven't covered any of that. And with you ladies, I'm sure I missed all kinds of different things. But we're starting a conversation. We're asking you to ask one another, how's it going? Or what is going? I just want you to start. If this conversation, though, if this material is really of interest to you, if it's piquing an interest and helping you in your marriage, there are some great resources available for you. Five Love Languages, His Needs, Her Needs, some of the best books out there about how to increase intimacy over the course of time. There's a new one I want to tell you about called Sheet Music. It's written by an amazing Christian couple, and it goes into really graphic detail about sex and marriage, but it's so helpful. How do you do this well? How do you honor God? How do you have fun with it? Well, that, that book will help you. Now, we do all of these things, the, the asking and the serving and the, and, and the anticipating or the, or the initiation and the frequency. We do all of that. All of that is actually not about that. All the stuff we talked about this morning is not about itself. It's about this, Ephesians 5. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All of this is about all of that. You following me? This is a way that we honor and serve and love and respect. We are trying to live by the book here. We want to do that. This morning was simply some uh, getting out of the generalities, if you will, and talking about more specifically how to do just that. So over time, our response to our wife getting sick, yeah, it might grow cold and calloused, but that does not have to be said about your intimacy in your marriage. In fact, the opposite should be said. It will change forms over time, but God wants your intimacy to grow and blossom. He wants you to be ever intoxicated year after year after year. And my hope and nothing more this morning was that we helped you do just a little bit more of that. Let me pray us out of here, and we'll go cheer for the Bronx. Father, you are such a good God who gives such wonderful gifts, and the gift of sex is one of those. It's been so twisted and distorted, though, over time and over the years, and, and for that we apologize. We've taken this beautiful blessing and just butchered it. And so now we ask for you to redeem it in each of our lives, in each of our hearts. We probably won't change what the culture says or thinks about it, and that's okay. I just want to change what individual Married couples think and say that. I want to change what single people think about it. So we just ask for your words to penetrate deep into our heart today. We want to honor our wives. We want to trust and respect our husbands. We want to have uh, the wife of our youth be ever intoxicating. We want intimacy and passion to grow in our marriages, Father. And you're the only one that can help us to do that the right way, the life-giving way. 
So take these words and these suggestions and these ideas, even though a lot is from secular uh, worldview, Lord, even though a lot is from research and, and, and uh, data points outside of the church, Lord, there is truth out there. And so we cling to the things that are true and we ask you to, to purge away the things that are not. But we want our marriages to be dynamic because you said marriage is probably the greatest demonstration of your love for this world. And so we want to be strong and courageous in our marriages for you. It's an apologetic, it's an evangelistic effort, Lord. How we live with our wife and our husband is actually a proclamation of the gospel itself. So help us to do it well and with lots of passion and lots of fun and deep levels of intimacy. Make it so now in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, thank you, church. We're, we're done with sex now for a while. Whew, glad we got through that one. Uh, money, starting next week. You're not gonna wanna miss it. It's all about the money. Uh, let's talk about what God has to say about it. Don't forget, speaking of money, your dollar in the bin on the way out. We can bless a family in need. Have an amazing afternoon. Be strong and courageous, church. God bless you.